Well, good evening to one and all here tonight. It's wonderful that you're here in the house. And um, for those here joining with us on our podcast service, Podbeam, Spotify or Facebook, so many now are tapping in. We just want to say welcome to the house of God here at Christian Outreach Centre here in Charters Towers. You are welcome and so I say pull up a seat and be encouraged because God's word received with faith can build our lives, amen? He says the same word, Paul said the same word being preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith. So each of us have been dealt a measure of faith, so turn your faith switch on and the word of the Lord will impact, encourage and build our lives. But as you look to me tonight, you may be thinking to yourself, well, Jeff, you've dressed a little bit more casual than usual. I've got a polo on. I've got, I've got actually got my runners on tonight. And um, some of you may know that, that in only just one year away, will be uh, from this point in time, will be the opening ceremony of the Olympic Games in Paris in uh, 2024. And so tonight, I'm dressed for that occasion, and I'm ready, amen? It's just over a year away, but I want to be ready. Who knows? I like to be ready. And uh, the Christian should be ever ready, amen? Like a battery, an ever-ready battery. So 2024, the Summer Olympics, Paris, July 26th to the 11th of August. I've already booked my seat and my lounge room, and I'm going to watch heaps of it, amen? I love it. And, uh, but did you know there was a hundred years ago... Almost to the day, and there was, uh, they had the uh, Paris Olympics in 1924, amen? And I only saw that and realised that today. And so once again, it was confirmation to me that I should bring this message. The Lord always brings confirmation to me about a message that I bring, always. And so, but tonight I'm not going to speak about the Paris 2024 Games, but I want to speak and revisit the 1924 Olympics when it was said that the 8th Olympic Games, the Games had come of age. But in regard to the, uh, the Games, I'm always excited to see the world's elite sportsmen and women come, to, to come together. And when I view them competing, I find myself glorifying God. I cannot watch something like that and not glorify God. It's like when I go out for a, for a walk in, the, in nature. I cannot help myself but to glorify God. Amen? And uh, for I see that we are all fearfully and wonderfully made. When I see somebody with a, an eight-foot stick or something like that, or probably be a bit taller, racing up to something that's eight metres high, pole vaulting over it, I glorify God and I said, Lord, we are fearfully and wonderfully made. I appreciate the dedication, the ability, the steadfastness of purpose and vision to be able to compete at an international level. In many instances, I sense only, not only the hand, but the pleasure of God upon people to be even to attend, to compete, to win well, to lose well, and also the personal stories that emerge that make even the defeats appear as great victories, amen? In the face of adverse circumstances surrounding the individual lives, amen? I love all those great stories. Many of them only come out years later. And in all this, I see that God pours out his mercy and grace on all the earth, amen? On all the earth is the grace of God. So I'd like to talk to you tonight. For those uh, listening in online, 
you should be able to see that I've got a pair of ASICs hanging over a mic stand right next to the pulpit here tonight. So I'm going to be talking about running the race in the same way that the Apostle Paul referred to running the race in 1 Corinthians 9.24. As even in, in his day, athletes would compete in much the same way as they do today. We're talking about in the days of the Roman Empire. Just prior to the days of the Roman Empire was the Greek Empire which started the games. And so the terminology was clearly understood throughout the Roman Empire, what Paul is talking about in 1 Corinthians 9, 24 to 27. So for those taking notes, that's the scripture reference. And here is Paul, the great apostle of grace and grit. And he says, do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may obtain it. And everyone who competes for the prize is temperate, meaning that's self-controlled, in all things. Now they do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we for an imperishable crown. The crown they wore at those Olympics was those leafy sort of things that they put on their head. By the end of the day, most of them would have looked quite sad because it was perishable. And the things of the earth are very perishable. So verse 25, and everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. Now they do it for an, to obtain a perishable crown, but we for an imperishable crown. Therefore, uh, uh, verse 26, therefore I run thus, not with uncertainty. A walk of faith is not uncertainty. It's not a walk in the dark. It's a walk in the light or a run in the right. Thus I fight not as one who beats the air, but I discipline my body. Oh, there's a severe word, discipline. Oh, can we preach that in schools these days? Discipline. Hey, I think the teachers need it as well. But I discipline my body and bring it into subjection. Paul also writes to bring our minds into subjection to the knowledge of Christ in another spot. Lest when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. What a great passage of scripture. And so here, the apostle Paul draws the comparison of the Christian life to that of running the race. Amen? And what a glorious race it is. It's a fantastic race. The British film classic Chariots of Fire won four Academy Awards in 1981. Who recalls that movie? It's a fantastic movie. It's one of my favourites, in fact. And in 1981, and it was a celebration of the Olympics held, and uh, I recall there was a, a redigitization. Uh, for that movie done in 2012 in preparation for the London Games. And so the movie was re-released at that time. It was actually a low-budget movie, but got world acclaim. I mean, it was such a popular movie. And it's a true story that goes back not 90 years, but next year it will be 100 years since that story. And so it refers to uh, the story takes us back to the highlands of Scotland, and you think to yourself, can anything good come out of Scotland? Well, we know Pastor Tom came from Scotland, amen? Oh, yes. Oh, and our friend here, our visitor today, came from Scotland. It was wonderful. Pastor Tom used to brag about his Scottish heritage. Incredible. He used to talk about his Scottish heritage. He had a DNA test and he found out he was more English than Scottish. <laughs> he only had 20% Scottish blood in him. But we rejoiced with him anyway, Amen. And so we rejoice with our visitors here today with Scottish heritage. And so um, 
But uh, Eric Liddell, which uh, the movie is based around several characters, uh, but one of them was Eric Liddell, and he was a son of missionaries to China, and he, in fact, himself was born in China, on the mission fields in China, and he made worldwide news in 1924 by refusing to run on a Sunday in the 100-yard dash. Tremendous conviction, tremendous man of conscience, and he refused the gold and the glory of the Olympics, the most pristine event in all the earth at that time, more pristine than it is today, and then uh, for which he had trained, and he had high hopes, but because of his deep religious convictions and conscience, declaring that Sunday was the Lord's day, he refused to run for the event which he trained for. So realising he wasn't going to be able to compete on that day, he actually kept training for the 200 and the 400 yard. So it also relates also to the English runner of Jewish descent, Harold Abrahams and a couple of others. But as I watch the film, and I do from time to time, I'm so encouraged by the movie, I just get invigorated by it, that generally after the movie, I've got to race out to the gym or something to make, to make it feel like I'm part of it, amen? I just, feel like, I just feel invigorated by stories of conviction and conscience and power and the power of God. I just love it. And uh, I remember the first time when I made notes many years ago regarding this film, because I knew at some point in time I would bring a message about it. I, I set my laptop computer under the trees, under the sun, on a beautiful day in winter, quite a number of years ago, and as I was making my notes and thinking and contemplating, I think about things a lot, and I just looked up and there was a magnificent eagle about me, uh, soaring directly above me and making circles around me, and it happens quite often when I'm preparing things for God. I remember preaching about ducks one day, how they form that V, and there was a, a, a duck out, and then while I was thinking about should I preach it or not, as I was walk, walking, a big V flew over me. And while I was thinking about it and working, I heard this, wah, wah. And I looked up and there was the, but it was confer, God confirming to me that that night I should bring a message on those ducks. Amazing, isn't it? But back to my notes. But Eric Liddell is a student, a runner, a national rugby player at the University of Edinburgh. He was already a renowned competitor. Uh, Liddell's consideration for others on and off the track had earned him a great respect from all those he'd met. And so he was a very respected man. And in the, in the, uh, in the year, in the, in the run-up, to the, there was a tri-nation competition at Stoke leading up to the Olympics and where they sought out the men from the boys. Amen. For, com for the competition. Eric Liddell, after winning the 100, 200, and now was in the 400, was, for a, was going to win a clean sweep. Amen? And so he was Scotland's uh, greatest runner at that time. And not longer after he began in that race, an English runner, that's where you're supposed to boo, okay? Boo. Now if it, if, and, uh, but an English runner came alongside of him and knocked him off the track and into the infield. Amen? And that's historically correct. Uh, Liddell, thinking himself now disqualified, stopped in the middle 
in the infield and contemplated, he thought he was just disqualified out of the race. But a Scottish judge shouted for him to go on, urging him to get up and to keep running. Wouldn't it be good to have a few Scottish judges with us from time to time, amen? A few Barnabases. The problem with Barnabas was he couldn't stop encouraging people, amen? Isn't it good to have a problem like that? This Scottish judge urged him to get up after run, being knocked in the infield. His trainer, Tom McArthur, with, as with all the crowd, watched in absolute total disbelief. This was probably one of the greatest races ever in recorded history. And in total disbelief, as he not only got up, regained more than 20 yards lost, which is a huge disadvantage. No momentum, starting from scratch all over again. He went on to win by more than two yards ahead of the man who knocked him off the track. His time of 51.2 seconds, giving Scotland the win by half a point, was only one second slower than his previous record a month earlier. When you have a look at that race, uh, it is said by those witnessing the race, there is no way a runner could have regained those amount of yards lost over a 440-yard race, and yet they had seen Eric Liddell do it physically with their own eyes. I want to ask you today, have you been knocked off track and into the infield? There are people listening in online, and I know there are even here today with us, and someone has knocked you infield, or someone has cut in on you or cut you off. Your life has been knocked and you feel you cannot or you will not go on. I speak of these things quite easily because I've been knocked infield a few times in my life. But I want to be like that track fish official now a hundred years ago. And it was almost to the day a hundred years ago that this particular race was run. A hundred years ago. And he was the one who shouted when Liddell thought he was disqualified. Get up, go on and finish the race. There are people listening tonight and... You feel disqualified. Perhaps you have disqualified yourself. Many times we come to this gospel of grace and God forgives us and we become born again. We give our lives to Jesus and we experience the grace of God. But somehow the church has a limited view of grace and once we become a believer, we feel that God's grace is no longer there for us. But that is not gospel. The Bible says that if you repent, even having disqualified yourself, God is in the requalifying business. Liddell got up and became a national hero, amen? And when I see that race, I get invigorated because I see that there is hope for you and there is hope for me in and in every situation, amen? This gospel is a good message, amen? People need to hear the message of the gospel and all the good things that God has for us. God's grace is not a limited grace, it is, an unlimited, it is an unlimited grace, and it is given to you and I every day. I said to somebody in the last week or so, don't worry about it. I said, don't worry about the energy or the grace for tomorrow, because grace comes to you a fresh dose every morning. Amen? You don't have to worry about it if you're feeling a bit pooped today, a bit worn out, 
a bit disqualified or a bit of this or a bit of that because God's grace is renewed every single day. So Liddell with much, Eric Liddell with much opposition, as many thought king and country before personal beliefs counted, he began to train for other events that would not be run on a Sunday, that being the 200 and the 400, which wasn't his prime event even. And it was programmed, the 100 heat was to be run on a Sunday. So Eric Liddell, his name was actually called, or a nickname was called the Flying Scotsman because it was named after the fastest railway track and train uh, from Scotland at that time. His conviction not to run on a Sunday made international headlines in the 1924 Paris Olympics. Amen? For all the wrong reasons. But for those of the faith, it was the greatest encouragement to see a Christian with muscle. Amen? When Hollywood depicts a Christian, particularly a pastor, they grab the most anemic-looking, pathetic specimen, and they stick him up there, and they say that. But that's not so. It takes guts to be a Christian in this day and age. Amen? And the days and the glorious days of the church are quickly upon us. And we are not going to be found wanting, but we will be a glorious bride without spot nor wrinkle. And being a Christian with muscle is what we're building here. Amen? And so he not, he not expected to go through the qualifying rounds for the 400. But having got a bronze for the 200, he lined up for the 400 final. Amen? So he made the 400 final in the 24 Olympics. A Scottish steward handed him a note prior to the race while he was on the starting blocks. They didn't have starting blocks in those days. They had a little spade and they dug the dirt out and for a place to put their feet into. And, uh, but a man named Jackson Schultz, who was also a fellow Christian at the time, handed him a note through a steward, a track steward, and it says in the old book, him that honours me I will honour. Wishing you all the best of success always. That scripture, of course, comes out of 1 Samuel 2.30. In other words, he had somebody from even an opposing nation, that of the United States. Jackson Schultz and his, um, and his, uh, and his other friend were the fastest men on the planet. And, uh, and so Eric wasn't expected to win. But in the movie, you can see it, he, and he had a, the most awkward running style that I've ever seen on earth. But he ran with wild abandon, digging deep. Long-distance runners dig deep, amen? Sprinters are a nervous breed, but long-distance runners dig deep. It's where their personality comes out, amen? And before giving of everything that he had, he would tilt his head back, open his mouth and almost claw the air, propelling himself down the track, amen? It wasn't the prettiest sight to see Eric Liddell run, but he, was a, he ran almost like a wild animal, amen? But he sensed the pleasure of God when he ran, and he ran for God, amen? He thought it would do God honor for him to run, amen? And so Eric, Eric Liddell won that race by five meters in a world and an Olympic record of 47.6 seconds, amen? The circumstances surrounding this whole life and this race are all remarkable. And so, answer to running the race, Isaiah 40, or oh, to him that has no strength, he increases might. Oh, let's go to that for now. Isaiah 40, I'm going to go through a couple of key verses in Isaiah 40, 
You know some of them already. And so we have the Olympics and we've got people from all the nations of the earth for those who participated at that time and they're coming together. And of course the nation's always exalting themselves and man's exalting himself. And, uh, but let's put it all into perspective when we're thinking about Almighty God. And Isaiah 40, starting from verse 15, and I'm just going to pick out some choice Beautiful scriptures. Verse 15. So you can picture this when all the nations come together. Behold, the nations are as a drop in the bucket and are counted as the small dust on the scales. Doesn't that put man in his position in the sight of God? Verse 12. All nations before him as, as, are as nothing and they are counted by him than nothing and worthless. Verse 21. Have you not known? Have you not heard? It hasn't not been told to you from the beginning. Have you not understood from the foundations of the earth? Verse 23. He brings the princes to nothing. He makes the judges of the earth useless. Oh, verse 26. Lift up your eyes on high and see who has created these things, who brings out their host by number, and he calls them all by name. And all statistics of the galaxies... More than 400,000 planets in our own galaxy and more than 400,000 galaxies before they, uh, before they developed a bigger telescope only to find out they were only on the edge. Verse 28, have you not known, have you not heard the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, never faints nor is in weary. His understanding is unsearchable. Listen to this, this is for us here today. And for those who feel disqualified, knocked infield or knocked down, get up. Because he gives power to the weak and to those who have no might, he increases strength. Even youths shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. That's human strength, you see. But those, this is us, those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary and they shall walk and not faint. Oh, it's an encouraging word, isn't it? For, for those who are feeling a bit down and out today, I pray that you begin to wait upon God because he wants to renew your strength. In other words, strength that is lost, strength that you once had, God wants to renew that strength. And so our country did not send them out to the games to start the race, but... They, they, all the countries of the earth send us out to finish the race. Hebrews 12.1 Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnared us and let us run with endurance. You see, this is a long distance race. This Christian race is not a walk in the park. It's, it's, you've got to be. It's not for the faint hearted. No, it's not. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. We are endurance runners. Amen? We are endurance and we're learning and developing intestinal fortitude. We're learning to develop a backbone. Amen? Looking unto Jesus 12.2, Hebrews 12.2, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross despising the shame and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Exciting stuff, isn't it? The author and the finisher of our faith is Jesus Christ, the son of the living God. That's who he is. 
He was there at your birth and he'll be there when you die. He is the one who is, is the beginning and the end and the one who fired the starter's gun and he is also the one who holds the ticker tape. Amen? Fancy that. The guy who starts the race for you and when you cross the ticker tape, he's holding the line. Amen? It's almost like the roadrunner, isn't it? Can you picture that? It's fantastic, isn't it? Joshua 1.9, have I not commanded you, be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid nor be dismayed, for the Lord God is with you wherever you go. Amen. All of heaven is invested in you, and you have been purchased by the most precious agent in all the earth, the blood of Jesus Christ. And your life between the date that you were born and the unknown date that you and I shall die... Displayed on your headstone or memorial plaque lies just a little dash, amen? And that dash represents the time that you and I walk the stage of life. Just picture the date when you were born. Just think about that date, don't yell it out. A few years ago, there was a racehorse in the Melbourne Cup in another race, and his name was called Just a Dash. Do you recall that? That's a long time ago. I haven't put on a bet on the Melbourne Cup for 30-odd years. Not since I've been a believer. But now I agree, as Paul did, when we are running a race, to run as to win the prize. You see, it's not just a dash, and it's not just a life, amen? Your life and mine was purchased at a slave market to sin. Yes, you and I were all purchased at a slave market. Nobody can here elevate one from another at all. We were all purchased at this slave market of sin. You and I are chained, and we were chained to unrighteousness and sin with no possible means of escape, not one of us. If any person thinks he is, that's the only person that God can't save. A person says he who has not sinned. The prerequisite for being saved is the admission that we're a sinner. You were paid for, redeemed and saved with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Heaven's greatest sacrifice that you would become a slave, not to sin now, but you and I are a slave to righteousness. Amen? People say, are you a slave? Oh, yes, I am. I'm a slave to Jesus Christ, a bondservant of Jesus Christ. Amen? Paul was never a slave of imperial Rome, even when he was chained in, to, the, to the prison walls and floor. Amen? My Bible says that you were bought at a price and a purchased possession. Ephesians 1.7 and Colossians, I think, 1.14. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. Ephesians 2.8.9. For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith, this not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. Amen? But to how to run this race in the face of life's realities. It's all right for you to blab it and say all those things with a microphone in your hand. And, but in the face of life's realities. But we can watch the race and not take part. I mean, we can be a spectator ourselves. But I, I trust that you be not a spectator in life. Perhaps you've been knocked off track and into the midfield. And you think, well, I'll just become a spectator from now on. I don't want to be hurt again. I don't want to be knocked again. I'm just going to play it safe. Perhaps you're out of a job. Perhaps sicknesses hit your home. Perhaps you're getting old. Or perhaps you're too young and you feel you need to be older. 
Perhaps you're a foreigner in a strange land living as an alien. Perhaps you're deeply in debt. Perhaps you've raised children that rarely talk to you. So common, spoke to another man again in the last couple of days and they had a strained relationship in the family. There's hardly a family that this situation is, that is immune to any longer. It is a sign of the times. And so broken relationships, strained relationships, even amongst believers. But how do we respond and how do we, and how do we run our race? Um, do we draw back? Do we pull out? We've not been called to just participate. We've been called to participate in this race and not to be a spectator of it. It's a race that we all must take part in. And to set, and Jesus himself had to set his face like flint and make his way towards Jerusalem. Amen? He himself, he said, let this cup pass away from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. Jesus prayed that prayer. Amen? And you and I, at times, will need to pray that prayer also. God wants to reignite. He wants to lift up our feeble hands. He is the one with the everlasting arms. Amen? From Deuteronomy. And I remember an old poem called The Authority of the Believer. And it finishes with, we, we may, we can, we must, we will, the purpose of our God fulfill. Amen? It's a great, it's an old poem, a very old poem. It's probably about 100 years or and uh, old itself. But we miss out some on some scriptures. And, uh, and even when we're reading things about Abraham, you know, God is able to make us well able. And we read something like, Abraham ran to his wife. I forget the scripture exactly, to be in, uh, in Genesis 15 to 17, some there. And we miss out on some of them. But when, we don't recall, but Abraham, when he ran to his wife, was 75 years old, amen? So he was. It doesn't say that in that paragraph, but, we, but Abraham ran to his wife, amen? And so there it is. There's the power of God coming upon a man called Abraham, and he ran, amen? We don't even read it because it's not in the same paragraph. But God wants us to run, amen? I don't care how old you are. I don't care how young you are. God wants us to run. And he wants, it's a long-distance race. Sure it is. But that's why fellowship is fantastic, amen? Fellowship encouraging one another, amen? And uh, no one runs the race alone. I've always said that presidents, and you see it written too, presidents and prisoners all had help getting there. But when you're running the race with endurance, it's fantastic to have help running with you, amen? It's always easier to run with somebody else. So have you been knocked in field? I'd be I believe God is saying... Get up. Have you disqualified yourself? If there's people online and you feel your life is disqualified, perhaps you were called into ministry. Things have happened. It's called life. I want to tell you that there is not a limited grace, which a lot of times we as believers can put on one another. Amen. A man may disqualify you, but God does not. When you come to him in repentance, there is no ship that cannot be salvaged. Amen. And so your life and mine, it's not just a dash and it's not just a race. Amen? So the Bible says in Proverbs 24, 16, For a righteous man may fall seven times and rise again, but the wicked shall fall by calamity. So there it says there a righteous man can fall. Amen? So it happens. And to 
in the church or the army of the God, we sometimes shoot the wounded. But I encourage you not to do that, but encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. For God is able to make that man stand and though man may write you off and even gloat in the process, God is in the qualifying business and is also in the requalifying business. I want to encourage the body of Christ tonight, particularly even those even listening online. God wants to requalify you. Amen. Get up and let's go. Where's the power come from to see the race to the end? And we can see that waiting upon God is all that is necessary. Amen. Young and ardent, fleet of foot and strong of limb was the sort of language that sent those 1924 athletes into battle on the racetrack. There is a prize, it's that imperishable crown that Paul speaks of, and the slap on the back, well good and faithful servant when we come through the pearly gates. That is the ticker tape, amen? And it's one where Jesus is holding that ticker tape. I'm just going to ask Jules to, um, to play that song for me in the background. But Eric Liddell's last words, he went back to China a very shortly after becoming the national hero of Scotland, and he began to serve the Chinese people at the tail end of World War II. In fact, he breathed his last on the mission fields in China. It was said that he actually had himself a ticket to get out of that prison of war camp where he was laboring for everybody. They said he was just such a, a selfless man. And he gave his ticket to get out of that camp to a pregnant woman and he himself stayed and he died on the mission field in a prisoner of war camp at the end of that time. His family found out years later that he was given that opportunity to, to leave and this, the uh, words that come to mind with such a man like Eric Liddell, just such a testimony to, to all of us. He says, 2 Timothy 4, 6, and Paul found himself in the same position. For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure is at hand. He's approaching the ticker tape. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race, and I have kept the faith. Finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day, and not to me only, but to also to those who have loved his appearing. And so before I close in prayer, I just want to ask you one little question right now in reflection to your life. Is what you're living for worth what Christ died for? Amen. So Father, I'm just going to close right now in the name of Jesus. I thank you, Lord, for this opportunity to minister, Father God, your word. I pray that the Spirit of the Lord, Father, would touch people's lives, Lord God, tonight. That you have equipped us and that, Father, you will empower us and cause us to, and to be sustained as we wait upon you, Father. I pray, Father, invigorate your people. requalify them again, Father, and cause them, Lord. And I pray and I put a call out in the Spirit to those listening, get up and finish the race. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Amen. Put on that whole armor of God. 
but wait upon the Lord and he shall renew your strength in Jesus' name. i